Hello and welcome to the study at the Upper Room on this beautiful Mother's Day. In this space, we review highlights on daily scriptures and focus on the emotional content they provide to guide us in our spiritual journey as we learn to pray, to worship, and to listen to God's will for our lives. Today we read Acts 6-1-7 in the Acts of the Apostles, where we hear the disciples are continuing to grow in number, in an amazing zeal of apostolic movement. But today a complaint arises, and we hear instruction in this reading about how to deal with a complaint when it arises in our midst. It could be in my family, it could be in my workplace, it could be in my neighborhood, it could be in the country. The apostles identify in the reading a number of steps that we can take when a complaint arises. The first one is to identify the problem. The Hellenists complain that the widows are being neglected. The second step is to speak it so that the listeners can feel heard. So the apostles recognize there's a problem and repeat it. The third step is to remind themselves of their mission. They recognize that there is a problem, but they say our job is to spread the word and to pray. So the fourth step is to delegate, to tell the community, select amongst yourselves a number of you, seven, that can address this need. So the apostles are showing diligence in recognizing it, action in speaking it, trust in delegating, and the community self-selects seven individuals that they bring back to the authority of the apostles. So they're men that are living in authority in this community of men and women. And then as they have this group of men presented to them, they do the fifth step. They do their part. They pray over them. They lay hands on them so they have clarity of mission. And number six, the apostles uh, send them to do their work. So how can we apply these principles that the Acts of the Apostles show us to address the emotional content of our lives? In this case, what do we do when a complaint arises. It could be with my children, as I mentioned. I can identify it, name it, help them navigate why it has arisen, and then I can stay on mission. I don't have to solve it for them. I can give them some instruction on how to arrive at the solution themselves so that they can take action and um extend that authority that is given to me as their mom so that they can, with my trust, become problem solvers. This could also happen in my workplace with one of my clients. There can be a complaint about a service that is not being delivered the way that the client intends. Identifying the problem quickly, naming it, putting a plan of action, Perhaps I cannot do that service that is being requested as it's being requested because maybe it's outside of my scope of work. 
but I can delegate it. I can find a way that the client can solve it internally with their own team by directing that team. And then I can become, as the apostles were in this story, a helper, a counselor. I can lay hands with my assistants by continuing to guide the team that might do that and send them off to complete the task. The responsorial psalm today comes from Psalm 33. And the refrain is, Lord, let your mercy be on us as we place our trust in you. The repetition of that sentence, Lord, let your mercy be on us as we place our trust in you, is a wonderful exercise of worship and of learning how to pray, which is one of the things that I like to focus on instruction from the daily scripture readings. In it, we ask God for his mercy and in return or before that, we place our trust in him. This relationship between mercy and trust uh, with God is very important because no one, and that is absolutely no one in our earthly life, will not disappoint us at some point. They will do the wrong thing, say the wrong thing, act in ways that we feel betrayed or we feel neglected or we feel rejected. So placing our trust in God and God alone makes life flow from divine grace. When we place our trust on earthly things or earthly people, we end up disappointed because nothing that is earthly can fulfill our innermost desires or can be there ever-present and all the time. So here in the middle of this pandemic, where we have a new reality of connection with those around us that are just a small few, in many cases, I have friends and family members that are alone. We have the opportunity also to rekindle that relationship of trust with God. Because in the middle of hardship and difficulty, that is an exercise that becomes important in order to understand rightly what's happening, to gain a divine perspective, a third eye view perspective, a bird's eye view perspective, so that we are not bound by the things that mar us to our existence, where we feel emotions that distract us from our mission. The apostles were not distracted from their mission by the complaints or where we feel destroyed when somebody uses a word that is demeaning or they don't include us in something that is important for us and we feel rejected. So placing our trust in God and asking Him to give us His mercy for ourselves, because we ourselves are going to fail. We're going to fail God. We're going to fail ourselves. We're going to fail others. So that mercy goes in those three directions, asking God to forgive us because we have to keep trying again, asking ourselves to forgive ourselves when we fail. And sometimes we fail in gigantic ways. Sometimes we fail in smaller ways, but fail we do every day in some aspect. And then we fail others. 
we don't keep our word, we don't keep our commitments, we are not our best self, things happen that bring things from the past, historical material that just messes with our moment, and we react. So these responsorial psalm, asking God to let his mercy be with us as we place our trust in him, is very helpful to remind us of the right order of things. And the rest of the psalm is inviting us to exalt, to praise, to give thanks. Those are all important practices. When we feel dejected or down, turning our mind into exaltation and really training our mind the way we would train our muscles when we go to the gym or take a walk to practice exaltation is very important to come out of dark places. And that sounds like, Lord, thank you for this moment. Thank you for this breath and focusing on our breath, deeply inhaling, holding our breath, deeply exhaling to connect also to ourselves, and then extending that sense of mercy to those around us that might be trying our patience or inviting us into saying things we will regret saying. We ask God to the second reading, since today is Sunday, is from the first letter of Peter, Peter 2, 4, 9. And in it, Peter talks about being living stones. He calls us living stones uh, to come to him who is our living stone, rejected by humans. And he is inviting us to come into the light of God because Jesus is the light himself and he's calling out calling us out of darkness into his wonderful light he is inviting us to let ourselves be built into a spiritual house so he is the main stone and he's inviting us to be built that image of being built is a path of our spiritual journey represented in the fact that some of what happens in our journey is our doing, but the majority of what happens in the spiritual journey is God's doing. God is inviting us. He is calling us. He is inspiring us. He is guiding us from where they are small whispers inside of our heart. And I talk to my children about it because some people hear it from the time they're very little. Others take a long time to learn to hear the voice of God. And I remember hearing it when I read scriptures, but it became much more clear to me that it was an exercise of response when I was in high school. And now my children in high school are asking me the same question the apostles asked Jesus. Teach us how to pray, Mom. How do we pray? How do we listen to the Word of God? How do we listen to what he wants from us? If we do not know how to listen to his voice, then how can we follow his will, right? And so we talk about that. It is a process of training. God is always speaking. He's speaking through his creation. He's speaking in the gospel. He's speaking through other people that are around us. And they will bring us messages, messages of love and kindness and goodness and patience and compassion. But sometimes they also bring us exhortations to action, or they can bring us 
correction. So our, our own world is filled with other instruments of God that are in action to guide us to our ultimate goal. In today's reading, St. Peter is asking us to come to Jesus with the living stone so we can be living stones ourselves and be turned into a spiritual house. And what is a spiritual house? It's a place where God can dwell. And how does that happen? Well, in a very physical way, it happens in our breath. This week we saw Jesus breathing into the apostles' space when he shows up in their midst after he's resurrected. So he's inviting us to be attentive to our breath. Deep breath in, deep breath out. When we focus on our breath, which was Jesus' instruction, we calm down, we slow down, and we begin to hear what's inside of our hearts, which is where God speaks. The gospel reading for today is John 14, 1 to 12. And Jesus appears to the disciples and says one of my most favorite sentences, do not let your hearts be troubled. I love that he says that to me. Do not let your heart be troubled in the middle of this lockdown and pandemic. I repeat that to myself a lot. And that's a form of prayer, taking a statement that we can hold on to to guide our thoughts is a form of prayer as we practice how to bring our thoughts and our emotions into a place where they are at our service and not the reverse, that we are at their service. So the statement that Jesus gives us, do not let your hearts be troubled, is one wonderful verse to meditate on. Have faith in God, but also in me, he invites us. And then he says, that in his father's house there are many dwelling places. I love the readings from today as an architect because they talk about dwelling places and spiritual temples built of living stones. In the second reading of Peter, he was inviting us to that building of our interior castle like St. Teresa of Avila invites us to build an interior castle where God can dwell. And that requires that we place our thoughts and our emotions at the service of our mission and not the other way around, that we're mindful for how how to bring them into a sense of order and how to use them and express them. Jesus was also expressive about them. And we see that as the reading continues in John, where he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you and I've got to love the apostles because Thomas tells him, tells him where are you going? He's been with them for a long time. And Thomas asks, where are you going? I want to go. Tell us where that is. And Jesus tells them, I am the way. He speaks paradoxically. The professor and the educator in me loves the techniques that Jesus used to jolt the mindset of the apostles into a way of rightly seeing He's inviting them again to say, I am the way, I am God. But he speaks with mysterious words. If somebody says, I am the way, we can ponder, what does that mean? He's a person. What does the way mean? I am the way. Not only that, but I'm also the truth. And I'm also the life. We can ponder on that sentence on our walk or our jog or while we clean. I am 
the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What does it mean that Jesus is a gate? He's a gate. He, he purifies us. His presence in our heart as we converse and bring all our thoughts and feelings and all of our fears and joys. They are filtered, purified, um, rightly directed. Our mission is more clear when we are pondering all of our interior life in the presence of Jesus. And Philip then says, as a repetition of yesterday's reading, that show us the Father. I really enjoy the questions of the apostles because Jesus picked these 12 that exemplify we can bring questions that might not seem smart or that maybe we ought to know. We can bring them to Jesus who after three years of walking around was still getting questions that seemed like the apostles weren't getting it. And his approach to teaching is also helpful to run teams, to direct our children. Uh, he both calls them out, don't you know? I Haven't I told you? He expresses that very much like in the first reading today where the apostles name it. I've told you this before. But then with eternal patience, he goes down to a level that he hopes will help them understand. He wants to wrestle with them at their level. He wants to be in conversation with them with the kindness and the mercy of the second reading of the psalm. We place our trust in you when we ask these questions. We don't know, Lord. We don't know how to do it. We don't know how to pray. We don't know what you mean. What do you want for my day? How should I deal with this heart relationship? So on this wonderful day of Mother's Day, to all of you mothers out there, happy, happy Mother's Day.